Small businesses are the backbone of America, and they help keep the Texas spirit alive. But did you know as many as 50% will close their doors forever after just five years? Well, we're here to change that. This is the beef. This is the beef. We know how tough it is to be an entrepreneur today. That's why we're giving small business owners a platform to share their stories. You'll hear it all. The highs and the lows, the good and the bad, and everything in between. This is the Beef Podcast, presented by Beefy Marketing in partnership with Community Bank of Texas, an FDIC member and equal housing lender. Hello and welcome back, everybody, to another episode of The Beef with your host, John Kelly, a.k.a. John the Marketer on Instagram. I've got in the studio today, Ashley with Inspiration Ranch. Ashley, thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. This is so cool. Absolutely. I'm so excited to have you here today. What you guys do is amazing over there, and I can't wait to share this story with everyone. But, of course, we've got our icebreaker question coming up first, so I've got to ask you. Okay, great. Is there something most people are afraid of that you are not? Something that most people are afraid of that I am not. Brussels sprouts. (sighs) (laughs) I am obsessed with Brussels sprouts and rutabagas. I will eat them all day long. I love them. Brussels sprouts are coming up in the world, I feel like, lately. Uh, Not for me. No? I can't stand them. You hate Brussels sprouts. They're disgusting. I love Brussels sprouts. I'm a veggie girl. Like, if I didn't like meat so much, I could be a vegetarian, but I can't give up the meat. I mean, the beef podcast, beefy marketing. You can't. There's a theme here. We like steaks. That's for sure. I like steaks, too. But yeah, I am a hardcore vegetable girl. I have won my husband over to the Brussels sprouts, but not the rutabagas. But yeah, I'm I'm a root vegetable girl for sure. So see, I like vegetables. I'm not I'm not hating on all vegetables. Not Brussels just sprouts. not Brussels sprouts. That's I mean, okay. There's more for I me. Eat them. Yeah, sure. If you smother them in like butter and cheese and <laughs> bacon bits, and that's fair. You know that kind of stuff. Maybe I can choke them down. But you know, asparagus all day long. Mm, yes, I'll eat my weight in asparagus. Good um, choice. Green beans. Also you know good. all the typical. The typical safe vegetables, all about it, but I'm definitely a meat, potatoes, cheese kind of guy. Yeah, like, that's, that's my thing. It's fair too. So I'm, I'm we a, are in the South. Yeah, you know, talking about people being afraid of things. A lot of people hate snakes. I don't. I'm, I'm not a fan of snakes. That's just true. Yeah. So I love snakes. I think snakes are awesome. Uh, everything about them, the, you know, what they do for our ecosystem. Okay. That's fair. Like, I don't necessarily want to come across one, but I'm fine, like, with them living in the ecosystem. That's understandable. I don't want them to disappear by just, you know, me coming face to face with one. Not so much. I've owned a few as pets. Okay. So. That, I don't, I don't want to pet, I don't want to pet one. I had a friend uh, in my old neighborhood. He's got, you know, he's certified for all that stuff. He has what they call hots. So he's got venomous snakes in house. Oh, and I've been over to his house and he's pulled out. You know, all these different types of really venomous, like pit vipers and stuff, like the Gaboon Viper, beautiful snake, highly venomous, huge fangs, extremely painful bite. Set it in a room about as big as the room we're in now. So, a typical bedroom in a house, if you will, maybe 12 by 12, and uh, set it in a corner. And then I laid down on the ground with my camera. I'm a photographer as well, laid down on the ground and did a photo shoot for a couple of his snakes. It was a lot of fun. That was very brave of you. There's a lot of people who absolutely think I'm crazy for it. Uh, it was I'm going to go with brave, but, <laughs> but crazy is not off uh, not off the table either. I'll admit to being crazy. It's okay. That, I mean, some of the best people are, John. But going to the topic at hand here, Inspiration Ranch and Ashley. Tell us all about Ashley. Who are you? Why do you do what you do? And how'd you get into this? 
So I grew up horseback riding and this absolutely crazy person, speaking of crazy people, taught me and my sister to ride as kids. And she just had this really firm belief that anybody should be able to get on a horse. She thought that God created horses um, as spiritual creatures, that they had a role. And she just really, you know, thought that anybody that showed up at her house and wanted to ride, she was going to figure out how to make that happen. And my sister and I kind of picked up on that as, as kids growing up. And she was kind of known as this, this lady, like, um, you know, the make a wit local make a wish. So I grew up in Pensacola, Florida. And so the, the local foster care system and make a wish, there were some, some people that were foster care for special needs kids. Um, and they would bring them to her when everybody else would say, Oh no, that's, you know, that's not a good idea. We're not going to put those kids on a horse. And she would say, yes, yes, we will. We'll figure it out. And so my sister, Katie, I have two sisters. One doesn't ride and one does. We, we just kind of were a part of it growing up and we just really saw kind of the power that horses have, you know, to, to get through to people was, we didn't know what it was. We didn't really get it. And so my sister is just this really t- talented equestrian. She, um, I don't know if you know anything about the Texas A&M equestrian team, but they're very elite. So we'll, we'll just go with that. And especially in the late nineties, early two thousands that you could not beat them. They were the world champions every year. And my sister just walked on and tried out and made it. That's Katie Hamlin. And so I just loved being at the barn and riding my horse. And so we were like the two extremes. So Katie, long story short, you know, went to A&M, rode for the team, animal science degree. I like to talk to people and write. So I can stay on and that's as good as it gets. You know, so life takes you along and she's an occupational therapist now and can ride a donkey and make it look pretty. And, you know, it's it's great. And I, you know, went, got my degree in mass communications and went back to Pensacola for a while. And, you know, life carries you down the road and God has God's plans. And I ended up in Texas because my best friend lives here and just wanted to be closer to her. And so I was working at a nonprofit clinic in Conroe and went through a leadership program called Leadership Montgomery County. And met M.G. Tyndall, who is the CEO at Inspiration Ranch, and was just really intrigued by this thing called therapeutic horseback riding and uh, equine-assisted services. And I went, oh, this is a thing. Okay. People really do this. And so I kind of, you know, just kept in touch with her. And she's, you know, she's just, M.G. is one of those people you should meet in life. She's a really neat person. And so, you know, I just was going through some stuff at work a few years later and uh, called her and said, you know, I don't know why, but I think I need you to be my mentor. I'm going through some stuff. I need some help. I need you to talk this through with me. So I had a couple meetings with her, just, you know, try to get some career advice, career help. And I had been doing marketing and public relations and things. And she kind of just said, you know, I need a grant writer and you need to come work for me. And I said, I have never been a grant writer. I have run grant programs. I don't know how to do that. And she's like, you'll figure it out it's time for you to come over here and work for me. And it was just one of those things that you can't walk away from. I mean, it was like full circle. Um, you know, I have a couple of heart defects and, you know, comes out, turns out that all the horseback riding I did, it's incredible for core strength. It's really good cardiovascular exercise without you really having to, you know, run, jump, which a lot of kids with special needs can't do. It's incredible for 
building neuroconnectivity in the brain. Um, and so anyway, um, it turns out that most likely the reason I didn't have to have open heart surgery until my late thirties when I probably should have it eight or 10 was because I did a whole lot of horseback riding as a kid. And so it was just really one of those full circle moments. And I have fallen in love with writing. I have fallen in love with Inspiration Ranch. I have fallen in love with our clients and my coworkers. And so I've landed myself smack in the middle of exactly where I'm supposed to be. So that's why I work at Inspiration Ranch. It's amazing how things work out the it's way they're incredible. supposed to. incredible. Yeah. So. I've been in some pretty deep, dark times of yes. my life. And I'm like, how am I going to get out of this? How is anything going to be okay? I don't see where this can end in every single time. You know, whatever you believe in, whether it's God or chance or fate, something happens every time. Yeah. And, and it always works out. Yeah. And the truth is, you know, science is kind of catching up to what horse people have always known. And that is that these these animals really have um, a physical and a spiritual ability to heal us and to fix us. I mean, there's some there's some really interesting research coming out when a human sits on a horse your hips and your body move in almost exactly the same stride as a human walk. So children that can't walk or they call it ambulate, it's a very big word, but move your hips in that same way, you know, when they walk, it's not that same stride, end up being able to get that same motion. And so therefore that same exercise, you know, that they wouldn't be able to get normally with their own body and the horse can do that for them. It builds, it actually literally builds neuroconnectivity in the brain that children with autism lack. The rocking motion from riding a horse is incredibly soothing. So all that anxiety and that stemming behavior from a lot of diagnosis are soothed. And then as, as neuroconnectivities are built, children are able to start learning and it just, it goes on and on. We are actually working with Texas Children's. They're helping us adapt the app that they use in their physical and occupational therapy departments to our therapeutic writing program so that we can better track. I mean, we have a, a continuous quality improvement, you know, thing that we use to track our specific outcomes, but this will do it much better. And it's just because, you know, so many of, of our referrals are coming from them now because they were starting to see what we were seeing, which is like kind of the culmination of all the therapies that these, that these, clients of ours were doing were having breakthroughs while the kids were on horseback. Um, I say kids, some of our clients are in their thirties, but, um, right. you know, they were, uh, they were having these breakthroughs and these things were coming to fruition on horseback, you know, because they don't understand that they're, ha they're participating in a therapeutic activity. And so they're really willing to engage in it. Um, and it's fun and they're outside. Right. And this so, is fun for them. Yeah. It's just fascinating. And then as far as mental health, you know, horses are incredibly intuitive. They're herd animals. They actually literally reflect your own behavior back at you. And so, you know, with the help of a therapist and an equine specialist that's kind of explaining that behavior and your behavior with you, you can really start to work through relationship building, understanding. You know, they call them a, li a live biofeedback machine. So where you would have to be in your therapist's office or, you know, have go undergoing psychoanalysis and be hooked up to a machine reading what your body is doing, a horse can just do that with you authentically and kind of tell you. And so you can start to learn what your body is doing biologically when you're under stress or when you're upset, but you're out in the middle of a pasture. Um, and in our case, you're on 40 acres and it's gorgeous. And so um, you're able to do that in a little bit lower stress of an environment. And so um, it really speeds up the therapy process. So it's just, it's really incredible to get to see, to get to understand my coworkers are some of the best people I know.
And so I kind of get to be their storyteller. So it's really cool. That's amazing. Yeah, it's fantastic. I'm jumping ahead here just because you said something that kind of triggered my mind with referrals. Mm -hmm. So is this something that is covered by insurance, Medicaid, Medicare, anything like that? So there's a couple answers to that question. So when it comes to therapeutic writing, the answer is no. Our writing instructors are specifically, so they're certified through an international organization to instruct to teach horseback riding to people with special needs. So it's something like when I was a kid, anyone can do in their own backyard. Inspiration Ranch, and as is the case with some other local and international centers, we are accredited through the Professional Association of Therapeutic Horsemanship International, and every single one of our instructors is accredited. And it's a pretty rigorous process. Uh, They have to go through a writing and a written test certification, and they're trained. We treat 34 different diagnoses right now. And so they're really trained to hone in on the goals of our individual clients and their families and create individual lesson plans for each one of those. But they are not therapists. Now, we can bring in speech therapists, physical and occupational therapists, and we are working down that road. And then we can bill insurance, but for the actual riding, we can't. We get calls from insurance companies and they're starting to pick up on it, but they don't. So everything we do is on scholarship. Every time a child gets on a course, it costs us $250. The most we ask any family to pay is $50 right now, almost 50, I think it's 48% ride less than that down to $0 and we fundraise to cover the cost of that. So kind of a sliding scale based on income? Basically. Okay. Um, yeah. We don't have to do it officially you know, quite as specifically as like some nonprofit clinics that receive, you know, federal and state funding and stuff like that. We do ask them to do some financial screening, but at the end of the day, we take family's words for it because we just won't turn people away from this type of this type of therapeutic activity. But that's amazing. I mean, that's amazing in itself right there, because like you said, it's something you want to get out there. So it sounds like you're doing good enough work. I mean, everything we talked about before this was it's getting so busy and we're growing faster than we thought we would. So it sounds like there's plenty of donors. It is like it's a therapist overseeing the process. So anyone who has mental health coverage so we don't, and you'll find you. I think most people are finding that a lot of their counselors and therapists don't bill insurance because what you're required to go through to bill an insurance company is a little cumbersome. And we did some research. Um, I actually called my old coworkers at the at the clinic where I used to work, and what we could get reimbursed is about the maximum we could get reimbursed is seventy four dollars per session. It costs. One of our, our therapists alone, it costs about $120 for her to have a session. When you include the horses and everything like that, it costs us $209 to do one session. What we can bill, what insurance companies will reimburse is about $125 if insurance companies will reimburse them. So we've got about 12% of our clients who have coverage and will reimburse. But what we're finding is so many people coming to us for help are coming because we will offer it on scholarship and they either don't have coverage or quite honestly, John, they don't want to file because they don't want their jobs and things to know that they're going in for mental health therapy. And so we, again, we just offer it on scholarship and fundraise to cover the costs. Such a stigma there, you know. It is. And it's, you know, it's, it's it, sad. That's something that we're trying to, you know, there's a local coalition 
that's working on a lot of that. And so we, we try to be a part of working on the opposite end of that too. But at the same time, you know, we're going to make sure that the care is there, you know, so, so we, we try to work on it from both angles and be advocates, um, regardless, but you know, if you need that mental health care, we're going to be there to provide it. I mean, even if you don't have a specific, I, I hesitate to call it an illness. I mean, it, it is, but right. you know, just the stigma attached to that and the fact that we hesitate to call something what it is I right know. there alone is enough to say it's so sad that that's a problem because it doesn't even matter if you have a mental illness or not. We can all use therapy uh, yeah. and we can all use, especially horseback riding. I grew up as a kid horseback riding myself. My aunt had a horse. She worked for uh, a lady named Myrna out in Hockley, Texas, you know, and she had this nice big property, nice big home. And we'd go over there and ride her horses as my aunt took care of them and stuff. And it was always fun. So it's something I wish I would have probably stuck with just because like you, I'm not going to be that health science guy. I'm not no. going to be the one that's going to know everything about horses and equestrian everything. Look, we have but, staff trail rides on Fridays because we don't have lessons and it's like, we just all kind of need it. You know, all yep. of us who work in the office and there's days we go through, you know, the last couple months for us, you know, have just been really intense. And so I don't get out there as much as I do, but there's times where they see me coming. I'm like, I just need to brush a horse. Can I just, I, can I go get a horse for like 30 minutes, please? I just need a moment, you know? And I think, you know, especially with what we have all been through collectively, you know, I've learned a lot from working with, you know, the the therapists and the people that do the program. And it's a, it's really a gift to have those people around because I think it does normalize that this is something that we all need. And I think the collective trauma that we have all been through, even if you haven't had COVID and don't know somebody who've had COVID, who's had COVID, I think just the the amount of change and up and down that we've all been through in the last year and a half, two years, you know, man, we all just need something to lean on every now and then and then just need a break. It's no different than the doors and the top being off my Jeep right now. Yeah. Or hitting you on just a motorcycle. need a brain break and a breather. It's another way for you to get out there and have the air around you as you're on something that moves. And it's, it's always been therapeutic for me. It's why I have a Jeep because I love taking the doors off and the top off and having the the wind in my hair. Well, lack of hair there, but uh-huh. you know. <laughs> well, and at the end of the day, I mean, you know, the sunshine and some fresh air alone will do you some good. Good old vitamin D. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I know we've already talked about this a little bit, obviously, but give me that introduction to Inspiration Ranch. You know, if you were talking to someone who doesn't know anything about what you do, just give me that 60 second spiel, however long you want, but that 60 second spiel of, hey, this is who we are and why we do what we do. So kind of our basic tagline is um, offering hope, renewing lives and inspiring change. And that really is kind of what we stand for. And we do that alongside of horses because we believe that they have the power to really break through to people. And so we do that through either therapeutic horseback riding or equine assisted mental health. And we have people trained to help the horse help you. And so be it, you know, whether you have, you know, a physical need or an emotional need, you know, or a mental health need, we're really just kind of there to help. And so, you know, we ask people to just come by and find out more. How can we help you? And sometimes people find out it's through volunteering and helping other people. Sometimes the best way to, to heal yourself is to, to be a part of something bigger than yourself. And sometimes you need help. And sometimes, you know, people start off in the program and up volunteering. I mean, I think one of our clients who's been riding with us since he was eight is he's probably almost 20 now. He graduated last year and he works for us now. And he's one of the biggest supporters of some of our new clients that are, that are scared or having a hard time understanding how they'll ever grow, you know, and be able to, to balance some of the challenges that they have. And so, 
Yeah. I mean, we're really just there, you know, we're there to serve and we're there to help. My job every day is to tell the story of how my coworkers are there to serve this community alongside a herd of very highly trained therapy horses. You know, it's, it's crazy. You can tell when someone's doing something right or a company is doing something right because of those stories right there, you know, just like your story, you feel like you're where you have to be, you know, not where you thought you'd see yourself going, not where you've envisioned yourself going, but you couldn't imagine being anywhere else. And then the story you just shared, it reminded me of something I was watching. I cannot remember the name of the show, but it was about uh, St. Jude's hospital and a woman who was a, a patient as a child there you know, and got treated and went through the system. And then as soon as she got out of cancer treatment and survived all that stuff, healed from it, turned 18, started going to school and said, I've got to become a nurse and I have to go back and I have to give back to St. Jude's because that's how awesome they were for me is that I want to keep doing what they're doing because I believe in it. And to hear that story of one of your former clients becoming an employee, it's obvious to me that, you know, there's some type of secret sauce that's working. Because why would I want to hang around if I didn't like that place or if they weren't doing something right? Yeah. And I think our biggest thing is, you know, we're very driven by our faith, but we also, we have a big, you know, we have a big need for people to understand that it doesn't matter to us who you are. You know, we don't have any barriers. We don't have any restrictions on who can come, who can be there. We are really kind of an arms wide open come as you are, love you regardless place. And we just want people to really feel welcome and come in. And that is just kind of genuinely who we are. And I think that's what makes it work. I mean, and it really, it comes from the top down, but it comes from the bottom up too. I mean, some of the people that are, um, so we have this ranch hand, his name is Virgil, you know, he's in his seventies and he is, you know, he's worked in the oil fields. He's from South Dakota. He's a Vietnam, he was in Vietnam and he's just like a salt of the earth, really great guy. And he volunteers in some of the lessons too. I mean, you know, and, and he works overtime and he volunteers and he comes on the weekend and, you know, is loading hay and stuff. And it's like, you just can't keep us away because we just want to make sure it works. Um, because we really need for people to be able to have this place. And, and we see the need, we, you know, we get rewarded by seeing the neatest things happen. I mean, children speak their first words because, you know, it stimulates the brain. Children take their first steps and we get to see the most remarkable things happen for families. And it's just incredibly rewarding. We often on this show, we talk about hurdles that you go through and everybody talks about COVID-19 and, you know, things, yeah, yeah, things slow down for everybody during COVID-19. And as the restrictions get put on, there's less that we can do and the public brings us money. And if you can't have them there, it, Mm -hmm. it makes sense. Right. But I'm going to go on a limb here. Just take a wild guess and say as a 501c3, you probably need donors and volunteers. We absolutely do. So. Yeah, it was tough. So we we actually never shut down our mental health program. And our mental health program actually tripled during the pandemic because we've all suffered a lot. And so that was a tough one. We did pause our therapeutic writing program for three months and it was rough. It was rough on us. It was rough on our staff. And, And what's really interesting is it was rough on our horses. And I think that people, I mean, if you, if you love animals, you get it. If you don't, it's, it sounds a little strange to you, but they really thrive on what they do too. 
you know, I mean, they love the first couple of weeks because, you know, everybody likes a vacation, right? right? But, you know, they kind of were a little listless and kind of lost, like what's they needed their purpose to. And so we actually, we do have, you know, again, we work with Texas Children's. We are really lucky to have a, some local physical occupational therapists outside of that. And the parents were like, man, this, our, it's, you're outside. Our kids can do this safely. Why can't you reopen? Why can't you reopen? And we're going global pandemic, your kid is high risk, global pandemic, you know, and it was really, really scary. And so we just really dug in. We worked alongside, you know, Texas Children's. We had them advising us every step of the way. And they said, you know, guys, this really is the safest place these kids can be. Mask up, overly sanitize. Um, you know, um, your hands are going to be really dry, but, you know, you can do this safely. And so they helped us put some pretty strict parameters in place. And we were sanitizing like some son of a guns out there. And we started back and slowly added on. And the families were just as accountable as we are. And thank God our volunteers are the same way. I mean, they love these kids and and these families like we do. And so everybody was really self-accountable. And if we even felt like we might have a cough, you know, we just called in and somebody else was willing to step up. And we didn't have any incidents. And and so we were back to full capacity by this spring. We have a fall session, a spring a spring session, fall session, and like a kind of abbreviated summer session because it's, it's hot here in Texas, you know. And so we were back to full capacity. We were um, at 43 riders at the end of our spring session. And we had our biggest fall session we had ever had because the kids didn't want to stop again. So we had moved, we moved to Magnolia. Uh, we were in the woodlands. We moved to Magnolia in 2019, just in time for the pandemic. And um, the goal there was because we had a wait list of 60 kids and we needed to grow and we needed the space. And so we opened the fall session in September with, we went from 43 to 67 riders and we will be to 120 by February. And we will hopefully eliminate that wait list. That's amazing. Yeah. I mean, that's a lot but- of people. We do need funds to do that. You know, like I said, everything is on scholarship. Uh, this community that we live in is incredibly generous and it has yet to let us down. And so throughout the pandemic, throughout a virtual gala, which is by far our biggest fundraiser and the one we just had a week ago, week and a half ago, they have more than exceeded our expectations. And so we have remained fi- financially stable. But yes, it costs us $250 every time a child gets on a horse. And so, yes, we absolutely need financial support at every turn. We also run a ranch <laughs> with nine, 15 horses and growing. We need to add about six more horses to, to get to that 120. We choose to pay our therapeutic riding staff a salary. A lot of places do hourly. We pay them salary. They work their butts off for those kids and caring for our horses. And so, you know, that's something that we offer them and that costs money. And so, yes, we absolutely need financial support and we would love for you to to come out and visit first and find out more about what we do and decide if that's right for you. Um, right now, I'll tell you our biggest burden is volunteers. We need hands. Every child that rides requires one volunteer. Most of them require two or three to stay on. And so um, our staff is working overtime filling in those gaps until we can get, we have about 60 volunteers right now and we need 97 to really do this fully um, through this session. And as we get to 120, we'll need even more. And so um, you don't have to be a horse person. You just have to be able to walk. You literally have to be able to walk and maybe jog a little bit and they don't trot for that long. So, so you're good to go and we will train you and you just have to be able to walk next to that child. So it's not hard. 
I have a heart condition and I can do it. So you guys can handle this. I promise. So inspirationranch.org. We will train you. We will sign you up. And we really, really need your help. We need your hands and feet just as much as we need your gift. And that's really where we are. This sounds like a great opportunity. What What is your minimum age requirement? 15. 15. 15 okay. years old. Yeah. Now, if you want to come weed or mow or do a painting, we will take you younger than that. But <laughs> to work to work next to the horses, we do need you to be 15 just because um, it turns out insurance for working along horses is, is kind of hefty. It's so. always insurance. Yeah, it is. It's tough. <laughs> that's always the answer. Yeah. No, that's... Uh... Man, that's that's a really awesome opportunity, I think, for especially some of those 15-year-old kids out there, high and school kids. And I tell kids. you, it will fill your soul. And it will look really, really good on your college resume. <laughs> you know, that is that is something that's important. I remember uh-huh. those times. I know I'm old now. but Me too. Okay. I remember those times of uh, signing up for those colleges, how important it was that you had some type of volunteer experience there. And what better way than to volunteer to help kids that need it or, you know, like you said, even adults and that need that help. Evening, afternoons, after school evenings, and on Saturdays. And so we need you. We will take your hands and feet. So talking about, you know, I've seen a few different places here in in the uh, the Tomball area that have offered similar therapeutic yeah. writing. Yeah, there's a couple know, of fantastic. Other yeah. great organizations. So Absolutely. can you think of any type of advice that you would give, no matter where they're at in the nation, if you've got a 501c3 that you're starting up, even if it's not therapeutic horseback riding, but especially if it is, what is something that y'all have kind of gone through or learned that you could give some advice to others who are in y'all's similar situation, you know, something they can learn from y'all? Yeah. So look, you're, you might be a nonprofit, but you're still a business. You still got to operate like a business, you know? And so I would say, you know, have, have a business plan, be sustainable. You're, you're still accountable to your donors. You have got to have to steward your funds wisely. And so I think those are the, that's the biggest, it's not the biggest battle that we fight. We've got a really strong set of leaders and a really strong board that have put us in a good situation. But in the history of Inspiration Ranch, you know, we had to fight to get there, which I think any business, you know, small business startup, you know, I mean, I speak like I'm an expert, but I mean, if you've worked anywhere, any amount of time, you know, you know that that's tough. And so I think you have to know that you're going to have to, you know, you're going to have to struggle a while. Have a good business plan. You still have to have a business plan. You still have to have a marketing plan. You still have to plan on at the end of the year having money left over to reinvest into your next into your next fiscal year cycle. You know, like you can't plan on spending every, you know, when that spending everything that comes in. You know, I mean that's that's not how it works. So go back to your go back to what you learned in that business one on one class because you're gonna need it. It's it's the same thing. It's not you know just because it's donations or grant funding, it's not free money. You're still accountable for all of that, and if you you aren't wise with it, you're going to go under just like a business is going to go under. I agree. That's probably something a lot of people don't know just because they're not in it. But as a business student and as an entrepreneur, it's the same thing. It's the exact same thing. The only thing that changes between for-profit or non-profit, the only thing that changes is how you get your money and who you're accountable to. Mm -hmm. But you're still accountable. Because when you're for-profit, you're accountable to your clients, you're accountable to your stockholders or investors. You know, when you're nonprofit, you're accountable to the public, you're accountable to your clients still, and you're accountable to those donors just the same way. Well, I mean, there and there's legal tie ups, there's, you know, banking laws. I mean, there's there's just as much accountability. I mean, it's, it's not, you know, you're not free and clear just because 
you know, you're not working for a business. I mean, there's, there's just as much there. And so, yeah, you need a plan. You need a five-year plan. You need a strategic plan. You've got to, you've got to plan on doing all of that work just the same. It's, I think some people think, oh, I'm just going to start a nonprofit. You know, this is my dream, but I don't know that it's really that different, John, than, you know, I love to cook. I'm going to start a restaurant. That's my dream. And, and just not knowing, you know, I mean, I think Curtis over at Bonfire could tell you how much work it is. You know what I mean? I think, you know, it's not all, it's not all fun and games, you know? I mean, we spend, it sounds amazing and we see lives change. And yeah, when I get stressed out, I can go brush a horse, but there's also a lot of blood, sweat, and tears that go into it. I mean, horses get sick, horses get old, you know, they require care after, you know, they can carry children, you know, we have to retire them. We have to get somebody to take them. I mean, we adore them. We love them. You're, you're emotionally attached. I mean, 26 pipes bust on us during the flood. And I mean, during the freeze, like our last property flooded completely three times and we lost, you know, I mean, so I just, you know, I mean, you have to realize that, you know, you're really at the end of the day, still running a business. You're just running, you're running a business of the heart and you're serving people, but. Well, and I can, one thing that sticks out to me as well is as a restaurant owner or a marketing agency to have a, a potential client tell you no, or to be too busy or not knowledgeable enough in a certain field to have to tell a client, no, that's one thing, but I could not imagine offering something so amazing to the public and then having a wait list and having to look those people in their face and say, Hey, we can't right now. Yeah. Like and that's got to be a burden you carry. You it know? is a burden and that's, yeah, you know, and then we were like poised for it. And I mean, like we had a plan and within six months, everybody was going to be off and guess what? COVID hit. And so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's not that different. It's not that different. And you have to, you, still you have, have to troubles. approach it that way. Yeah. It's, it's definitely not all sunshine and rainbows just because it's a, a nonprofit. Anything else that you want to get out there to the public about yourself or Inspiration Ranch? Anything we oh, need to know? about myself? No, I'm just me. <laughs> about Inspiration Ranch, I mean, gosh, I could I could talk about this place all day. I don't know how I ended up here. I'm so grateful I did. My coworkers are some of the best people to, that I know. And I would just say that, um, you know, I would just say that we need your help. And I would love for you to come and just find out about us, even if you think you might be interested. If you think you can't volunteer with us, you probably can. So come find out about it. But nonprofits in general right now are having a tough time. Like nonprofits in general need your hand, hands and feet. So even if Inspiration Ranch isn't where you want to be, find a nonprofit close to you and go find out some more about them. You know, this is where my heart is and I love it and I'd prefer to have you because, you know, this is this is what I do. But there's hundreds. This is this community that we live in is incredibly generous and giving. And if you look around right now, this feels like a tough world that we're in. And and it is a tough world that we're in. And you can really easily get stuck in humans are bad, people are bad. This world is going downhill. And I get it. But if you will find a place to volunteer, it will restore you. So just look around, do it for yourself and do it for the nonprofits that are caring for this community. Find somewhere and give them an hour at least out of your week. It'll make a difference for you and it's going to make a difference for that nonprofit. InspirationRanch.org in Magnolia, Texas. Are y'all on social? We are. We are on Facebook and we are on Instagram and you will see some fantastic pictures of some pretty cool people riding horses. So check us out. Biggest thing I saw this week was a post on Facebook and it was a, a picture, a meme. And uh, what it said was, you don't have to spend any money 
in order to support your friend's business. You don't. And so it was a receipt. It was really neatly done. It was a receipt and it said sharing a post, zero dollars. Liking a post, zero dollars. Giving a shout out to your friend's company, zero dollars. At the total, the end of the bill, zero dollars. But you helped out your friend, which is invaluable. And I think for anybody, whether they're your friend or not, small businesses, nonprofits, we're all struggling to stay alive right now. We're all struggling to keep doing what we do every single day, even without COVID, even without anything external happening. Amen to that. Small businesses, blood, sweat, and tears doesn't even begin. I can't imagine how many sleepless nights y'all have had just trying to figure out how you're going to make it all work. And it goes so far if listeners would just like y'all on social media, share the posts, all of that helps almost as much as a donor or a volunteer because we all have that circle of influence. Well, and same to you, John. I mean, like, what is it? 80%, 90% of what fuels our economy is small local businesses. I mean, come on, you guys, let's get out here. I mean, you and I were, you know, I'll, I'll give a shameless plug to the Tomball Chamber and I hope Amy and, and then we're listening over there. Like, like what were we talking about before? How much they give and how much they give back to feed, you know, that all of us can stay on our feet and keep going. And I mean, I think the least we can do is is get out there and, and kind of support each other. So um, I agree. All day long. So please, that's a, I think that's probably, normally I would ask that out of y'all, what can we do to support you? But I think here, it's the, the biggest thing you can do because even if you don't have time to volunteer, even if you don't have any money left because you're giving to something that's not more important, but something that is so important to you that you've got to give to that. Yeah. Maybe you've got that friend out of Absolutely. your three, four, five hundred friends on Facebook. One of them is going to see that and say, you know what? I love horses and I have time to go yeah. volunteer. So. Absolutely. I hope everybody gets out there and supports you. I hope you get some visitors from our listenership here. And, you know, like I tell everybody, I can't thank you enough for coming out here today, spending your time with us and being a part of the podcast. Hey, thanks for having me. You made me feel really cool by giving me these headphones. (laughs) (laughs) You've been listening to The Beef Podcast, sponsored by Community Bank of Texas, an FDIC member and equal housing lender. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss an episode. For more small business stories, follow Beefy Marketing on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. To share your story, visit us at beefymarketing.com. Till next time. Thanks for listening to The Beef.